Welcome everyone to episode 4 of the Powder Blues. This is going to be a pretty much an NFL and football exclusive episode as I will be giving you uh, my look at the playoff picture before the final week of the regular season in the NFL as well as all the clinching scenarios that can happen uh, in week 18. I will be giving you my predictions for the final week of the season uh, and telling you who I think will get in the playoffs and who will be staying home in January and February. Uh, while also discussing the Chargers Raiders massive Sunday night game, winner going to the postseason, loser in all likelihood going home. Uh, I'll be giving you also my award predictions for the 2021-2022 season. Um, and for this version of the Rank King, I will be uh, ranking AFC opponents that I want the Chargers to play in the playoffs in order, specifically like the first couple rounds. Uh, and then finishing by looking off, finishing off by looking at my preseason predictions uh, and award predictions for the NFL season. So, let's start by looking at the NFL playoff picture heading into the final week of the season, uh, where we got a full slate of 16 games, two on Saturday and 14 on Sunday. No more Monday nighters as the Steelers and Browns concluded the Monday night schedule in Week 17. Um, and as usual, as has been the case since 2010, which is a rule that I love that they have done, is is all it's all eight, all uh, division games. So eight division games uh, in each conference. Uh, one of the best things I think, really, in sports, uh, is sports scheduling that we've seen that we have uh, is the final week of the season in the NFL being all divisional games. I don't know why, but I just love it. I just love the feel. It's easy to do, like. Uh, my predictions and you know, like scenarios and stuff like that too. It always helps. Uh, just a really smart thing that they did. Uh, going back eleven now twelve years ago, uh, and it's something that they need to keep forever in my mind. Anyways, uh, looking at the playoff picture heading into the final week, five teams in the AFC, six in the NFC have clinched. So most of the picture has really cleared up. Not a lot of teams are clinched too. I mean, less than usual going into the final couple of weeks, but last week was a huge, huge day, especially in the AFC with a lot of the teams going down that were kind of in the hunt, um, which led to three of the division races getting settled there. Three of the division races are, races are always also settled in the NFC. Um, they just have one less wild card berth that needs to be clinched. Uh, so starting with the AFC, Tennessee in front at 11-5, sitting pretty. Uh, a win at Houston. Um, which would be payback for when the Texans stunned them in Nashville back in Week 11 without Derrick Henry. Uh, that was a Tennessee team, though, that was really beaten up. Obviously, not only did they not have Henry, which was the, one of the first couple weeks still without him in the lineup, uh, they were missing A.J. Brown, Julio, and it was it was a really soggy, crappy environment in Tennessee, uh, which helped fuel the upset. Uh, and the Houston isn't really as bad as people try to make them out to be. I mean, just ask my charters. So we know how that feels. Losing to Houston, and I just don't – I'm not going to make my prediction yet, but um, I'd be very surprised if it did happen again uh, where the Texans would sweep Tennessee. But like I said, all Tennessee does – all Tennessee needs to do to clinch the first round by in the AFC and home field advantage is go in to Texas and win that football game. Uh, which would be absolutely massive. I mean, I don't know if there's a team in the AFC that needs it more. When you look at the fact that another week off and not playing football is another week where Derrick Henry can get rested and get ready to roll uh, and get more and more touches as 
the playoffs go on. Just imagine adding the best running back in football to your team for a postseason run uh, while being at home and all that already, already having all those advantages. Scary team. Scary team. Uh, tied with them atop the AFC is Kansas City at 11-5. Uh, Chiefs lost uh, their ability to control their destiny for the one seed by losing Cincinnati last weekend. Uh, they lose the tiebreakers. They got dominated. That was actually their last loss until last week, one eight in a row until last weekend. Um, and the loss before that, to put them at three and four, was in Tennessee. They got murdered. Only three points, the least scored ever in the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era. Uh, the only time they've ever been held under single digits. Well, actually, other than the Super Bowl last year, I believe, right? Apologies, I should have looked this up. Yeah, 31-9, that's what I thought. 31-9, so only the second time, uh, the other being the Super Bowl last season, Super Bowl 55 in Tampa. Um, so the Chiefs, uh, they're still in very good position. Obviously, they already won the division, and going into Arrowhead, no matter what, is difficult. And even if they do, so if they do take care of business, which they should in Denver uh, Saturday evening, they will still have at least guaranteed themselves two playoff games at Arrowhead. It would just be the AFC Championship. That would obviously not be. Um, so Kansas City wins. They're still there at the two. So they control their destiny there as their game up on the Bengals who beat them. So that's why they need to win. And Buffalo. So that's their thing. If they lose, they could really, I mean, they could fall all the way down to the four seed. And really, a lot of those wildcard teams are very even in my mind. All of them have dangerous tendencies to them, but also can bow out and have an inconsistently bad game. Um, because they all have a little bit of flaws. Um, but you still, I don't know. I mean, then you have to go to a say all the home teams when you have to go to Tennessee or to Nashville technically um, for a well-rested, very well-coached Titans team with a lot of motivation with Derrick Henry back. So when we saw where they we saw them play them with Henry the first time it was not pretty. And yes, this Chiefs team Chiefs team is obviously better and more consistent, especially defensively since that week. Um, but still, that's a very good Titan team. I would not want to face it. That's why I hate having to kind of settle for the seventh seed as a Charter fan. Is I I feel like I know for a fact we can confidently beat anybody in these playoffs and make a great run. Uh, but just having to face the team off the a team off a first round bye on the road with their star running back back that's just a horrible horrible scenario in my mind. Uh, so yeah, Tennessee or Kansas City needs the Titans to uh, get upset by Houston, uh, and then they obviously need to take care of business in Denver. Uh, to clinch the first round by for the third consecutive year. Uh, and the second consecutive year as having home field advantage. Third time in four years. Now, if they lose, though, like I said, they lost to Cincinnati and Buffalo, who are right now the divisional leaders there. Uh, even New England, they would lose the tiebreakers. The Patriots have a better conference record. Uh by a long shot. So Kansas City really doesn't win any tiebreakers um, if they lose. They're still um, predicted over 56% chance to stay as a one over two. And that, and that model does not include um, factors such as um, factors such as like the percentage to beat Denver and stuff like that. It's more just out of my 256 model, I did I did all 256 possible scenarios for both the NFC or AFC and the NFC. Uh, and in those models, like I said, Kansas City over 50 percent, six percent of the time stays in one of the first two seed thresholds. 
Um, so they're predicted to stay there. As for the three seed, uh, Buffalo or Cincinnati also clinched the division last week, and they also have a chance at home field advantage. Um, one of four teams still with that chance in the America or in the AFC. Uh, they would need a win over Cleveland. Looks like Joe Burrow's going to sit, so they're really not looking into this scenario happening too much on uh, getting home field advantage. They would need a win and losses by Tennessee, Kansas City, and New England. Or they can have uh, Tennessee and Kansas City also are left to lose. Like the first scenario, they also have to win. But instead of New England losing, Buffalo can just beat the Jets at home, which I would guess they will do. I just don't know if the other two are going to happen. So it's probably not likely that they get the first round by. Um, but like I said, they already clinched the division. Uh, and there's about a 50% chance they stay within that 2-3 to three seed. They only have a 9% chance of getting the one seed. Uh, which is the second lowest in the AFC out of the four remaining teams that have that possibility. So it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but they're a very good position to probably be. Uh, they could move up to a two. I can see Tennessee and Kansas City, one of them losing. Um, and in each case scenario in that tie break, uh, Cincinnati goes ahead. So that would be good for them. They would be happy with that. Get a two seed. You place a seven seed. He's just sneaking in the playoffs. Um, with a well, hopefully Burrow will be rested, ready to go, uh, dangerous team. Now the Bills. The Bills are not. They lead the AFC East. They're in the fourth slot at ten and six, same as the Bengals. Um, but they have no chance of the one seed. They don't really win tiebreaker scenarios. Uh, even though they beat Kansas City, uh, they lost to Tennessee, so they would lose it in a three-way tie there. Um, let me see, they would. They would be the two seed though. They would get in over Kansas City, but uh, both them and Tennessee went or Tennessee beat them head to head, and so they win that three way tiebreak. So they'd be the two seed. They can be the two seed. They can be two through seven actually. So since Buffalo or two through two through four and six and seven, they can't be five either for one an unknown reason. Uh, but Buffalo should be two through four. I don't see any way they go and lose a game at this point of the season. Um, they go to New York and and get stunned or at home in Orchard Park by a Jets team that has played, uh, played very competitively of late. Uh, definitely could have beat New England a week or Tampa Bay a week ago. Uh, wrong Tom Brady team. Uh, end up losing again when he touched down the waning moments. Um, and they beat, you know, obviously they beat Cincinnati and Tennessee, but all those games came at home on the road. They really have not shown any life. Um, so I don't predict a win there. Like I said, B- Buffalo cannot get the one seed. Uh, but with a win, with a win or a New England loss in Miami, which we'll discuss the Patriots more right after this, they clinched the AFC East for the second consecutive season, won the division. Um, yeah, that's the only scenario. Just win and clinch the division and then uh, probably be a four. They're most likely to be a four seed, according to my model. They have 37% chance. Uh, Cincinnati does have a higher percent chance of getting the four at 40%. But the Bengals also have a higher 28 to 25 to get the three, 21, 12 to get the two, and they also have a chance to get the one. So that's why the model kind of gets screwed up a little bit because technically Cincinnati would the most likely uh, final standings would be obviously the way they sit: uh, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. That would be the, in order, just like it is going into this week. Um, even though they have higher percentage there, that's just kind of how it works. Uh, now for the Patriots, like I said, to win the division, it's very simple. They need a win, and they need Buffalo to lose at home uh, to the New York Jets. 
probably will not happen. So if it doesn't, they already are clinched the playoff berth, though. They're at 10 and 6 on the season. Very good job. The Netherlands back in the postseason, just like they always are after a one year hiatus. Um, may not win the division again. So maybe a little bit of a drought there. I mean, the Patriot world, two year drought of not making one of the division is like the end of the world uh, after all those years of dominance in the AFC East. Um, but very dangerous five seed, and they could get uh, about number three with Buffalo right off the bat. They're projected to do so. They are at this point in that four or five matchup, and I think everybody would take a liking to that. Even if New England, say Buffalo does win, and New England, if New England, uh, Buffalo wins, but New England still wins, they take care of business of the five seed, um, the first wild card slot. Um, and the weird thing with the Patriots, though, unlike the Bills, they can get a first round by. They're, one, they're the last of the four teams. They only have a 6.3% chance of it happening. Uh, I'd be very crazy if it did. They would obviously need a win in Buffalo to lose because they, first of all, would need to win the division. Um, and they'd also need Tennessee and Kansas City to lose. Uh, they would win the tiebreaker of the Bengals. That's the only one where Cincinnati really loses the tiebreak. Um, as far as, yeah, that's the only team Cincinnati can lose a tiebreak to. That's why you discussed that scenario earlier where they would need Buffalo to win to make sure they win the division. Um, but, I mean, it can happen. You know, we'll, we'll see. A lot of stuff will be figured out tiebreak-wise with Kansas City's game tomorrow. Because uh, one, if once they say they beat Denver like they should, you know, that would a white boy, obviously – them, Cincinnati, all having their chance of being a one seed is wiped. Buffalo can't be a two. Um, so it, it'll change a lot of things if it happens. Even if it doesn't, then it'll be like, well, there's a lot of possibilities still. Um, but the Patriots are in the playoffs. Uh, and they can be they can be all the way to a seven seed. Only a 12.5% chance with them, Bills, and Indy, as well as the Chargers, actually. Or the Raiders, actually. All th- four of those teams have the same chance there of getting... The five. The seven, sorry. Now for the teams in the AFC that are in the playoff picture but have not clinched. Uh, Indianapolis, nine and seven. They had a chance to do so against the Raiders a week ago at home. Could not do it. Uh, but they're in very good position, obviously. They get the Jaguars, by far the worst team in football. I don't think it's really close. Uh, even though Detroit's only a half game worse, better record-wise, they had a tie. I, I, they've shown a lot more competitiveness than Jacksonville. And then some surprise wins in London over the Dolphins and at home over Buffalo, which I still have no idea how that happened. I really don't. Um, other than that, they really showed absolutely zero signs of life, even after Myers left. Uh, but the the kicker here is Indianapolis has not won in Jacksonville since 2014. Frank Reich is winless in Duval County. So does that continue? I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I mean, I mean, look at a year ago, uh, week one, they lost to the Jacksonville and Jacksonville, and then the Jags ended up losing their last 15. So look at how bad that team was. That team, I think, was better than this team. <coughs> uh, I mean, it's harder to be worse coached and have more off-the-field issues than this team did. Uh, and then Lawrence did not play, or has played way worse than uh, Gardner Flint did a year ago as well. Um. So it's not impossible, but I just don't see any way with a playoff berth on the line that Indy goes and loses this game. Colts have a 50 per six, 56% chance still to make the playoffs. Uh, it's, and like I said, again, this is not accounting for who they play. or It would obviously be realistic terms, it's higher. Um, but in this model, it, it's 50 per six, 56% chance, 25% chance at the six seed. They're still 
the most projected team to finish in the sixth slot. Um, kind of depends on the Chargers-Raiders game there. But like I said, Indy wins and they're in. Uh, or Chargers and Steelers loss and the Dolphins win. They also get in at 9-8. and eight, As well as if the Chargers lose and Pittsburgh ties. Uh, say if they lose in an upset. So they can still a couple scenarios. Realistically, though, they just got to go out and win this game. Uh, <coughs> just take care of business. Sorry. And now for the seventh seed, the Chargers. Nine and seven. They win the tiebreaker over the Raiders for the seventh slot uh, due to a head-to-head win on Monday Night Football in L.A. And week back in week four. Dominant effort by the Chargers. Probably the best game we played all year uh, was that game. They beat the Raiders Sunday night. They're in, just like the Raiders. Winner of that game, no matter what, is in the playoffs. That's why it's the Sunday nighter. That's why it's the final regular season game of the year. Best game of the week by far. I'll be peeing my pants, just as I have all week leading up at this point. I'll be peeing my pants even just so much worse leading up on Sunday. It's going to be a slow day, no doubt. Um, so the winner of that, that's the only scenario actually we get in, uh, the Chargers get in, um, due to the Raiders' win last week. Or else there would be some weird stuff where it's like, if Baltimore or Baltimore Miami both lose, Pittsburgh lose, or Baltimore beats Pittsburgh, and then it would be like Miami, I think would have to win. It would be like some, it was some weird scenarios where if, um, if the Raiders win the one last week, where we could still get in if we lose this game um, or tie, I guess. Which we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that at the end of this segment. Um, but yeah, just win and get in, baby. That's all we gotta do. Uh, as, as for the Raiders, they. And if we win and say Indy does, we'd stay at the seven. But if the Raiders win, they go to the six because obviously they beat the Colts head-to-head. We could go at Lucas Oil. Derek Carr and crew would be the sixth seed in the AFC and most likely play Cincinnati. And that's why they are projected 62%, 62.5 to make the playoffs, which is better than Indy at 56. Chargers are at 50%, uh, even though the Chargers are favored to win the game. Uh, technically, the Raiders have better odds. They have the best odds. They're tied for uh, New England, actually, to get the five seed at 37.5. Kind of crazy. Um, even on this model, they're technically most likely to not make it based on their numbers overall, since New England would be punched into that five slot. Uh, and then the Raiders, it would be it would go India, and then the Chargers are the best odds at seventh. Um, outside of Pittsburgh, that's because Pittsburgh can only be seventh seed anyways at twenty five percent. But. The Raiders can also get in with a loss. Or, well, technically, if they tie and Indy loses, we talked about, we're going to talk about that later. Um, or actually, let's just discuss. No, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. That's going to be a fun one to discuss. It's going to be a long segment. Uh, if they lose and the Colts lose and the Pittsburgh either loses or ties with Bmore, they also get in that scenario at 9 and 8. So, multiple chances for the Raiders again, Chargers. It's, it, you got to win the game or you're done. Uh, which is the first time since 2014 we've been in that scenario. Uh, last time in 2014, when it was in our hands, it was not pretty. That's really the only time I can remember the last week where it was in our hands. Like 2017, we won, and then we needed stuff to go right, which didn't. Uh, 2018, we clinched earlier. Um, 2013, we won, and we got the stuff. We got Miami and Baltimore to lose like we needed to, so we got in because of that, but we didn't control it. Um and then there's been some times that have been 20, 2009, we clinched easy. 2008, actually. That was my first year as a fan. That's the only other time when we – it was us and Denver Sunday Night Football, and we beat them 52-21 uh, to clinch the division in a playoff berth. That's the only only true time um, 
that that's the only other time other than 2014 was the last going into this year where uh, we had the chance to control our destiny and make the playoffs with a win specifically uh, this second straight time where it's for the wild card. Uh, and hopefully this time it goes a lot better. Last time lost to Kansas city, 19 to seven to finish nine and seven. That was chase Daniel led our backup quarterback led Chiefs for the second year. Obviously 2013, uh, we beat him in overtime. That was sketchy when they rested their starters. They didn't rest their starters. They finished with the same record as us. Didn't make the playoffs. They ended up going to Baltimore at 10 and six. Um, but for the sixth spot, that was when only six teams, obviously, could make it in the AFC. But anyways, uh, it was – I mean, it was ugly. Keenan was out. Ryan Matthews got hurt late in the year again. He was out. Our offensive line was dismantled. We had – geez, we had five centers that year. It was crazy. Um, could I name them all? Nick Hardwick, Steven Schilling, Trevor Robinson. Oh, man. Those three for sure. Rich Orenberger might have started at center. He was definitely on the line that year. He probably did. Uh, dang it, I can't name them all. That's my best guess. Um, but we, you know, we had five centers there. I know for a fact we still had five. Uh, and it, oh, gee, Justin Houston almost broke the sack record in the final game of the year. I think he had what was it four sacks. It was a nightmare. Our offense was just so dismantled. We couldn't do anything. It was it was really bad, uh, and we we can't we came up just short of the playoff. Board. Mike McCoy would have made it two years in a row, man. That would have been the first time. It's my t- first two years as a fan that we made it two years in a row as well. Um, sadly, did not happen. Yeah, because he finished with twenty two. TJ Watts got a chance this weekend actually. Off. Uh, it's not telling me. Get four sacks. Crazy. It was it was really bad. I mean, it was that was just the Houston dominated us in general. That game was just the cream or the cherry on top. Enough of that though. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Uh them in Baltimore. They play each other. Both teams have a sl- light chance of making it. Both would do it have to do it as the seventh seed, and that's it. Pittsburgh twenty five percent chance, Ravens six point three out of the 256 possible models. Steelers, they need a win, finish 9-7-1, and uh, and they need Indy and Vegas to lose. Or they need Pittsburgh to win, or they need to win Indy once again to lose, and then the Chargers. So really they need, obviously most importantly, they need to beat the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Um, sweep Baltimore, win two in a row to end the year. And, the Indy, and Indy to lose. That's really all they need. And then... And then they need the Chargers and Raiders, not the tie. So as long as those two happen and the Chargers Raiders don't tie, and that's where we're going to get there. I'm getting, I'm excited for that segment. Um, that's all they need to happen. It's not a lot on paper, really. Not as much as we're going to discuss Baltimore needs, um, but it'll be tough to happen. Uh, and it, it's just tough to think if you're Pittsburgh. I don't know who's going to win the game. It's going to be a dogfight. Tyler Huntley's good enough to win it. Um, but man. That that tie kind of hurt earlier in the season for the Steelers. Uh, you'd be sitting at ten seven one. It would make a it would make a difference. It, it would be a lot different if they didn't go and tie um, with Detroit earlier this season. Tough one. Big Ben was out. Now for Baltimore, the only other team in the AFC remaining: Miami, Denver, Cleveland, all got eliminated a week ago. The Ravens need to beat the Steelers at home, and then they 
also need Indy to lose. They need the Raiders to beat the Chargers. So this one, it doesn't matter who wins now. They need uh, they need Vegas to win it, Raiders to make it, because then they obviously they lost the uh, the Raiders had to had beat the Chargers handily back in Week Six. So that's what they need to happen. And they also need Miami to lose their tie. Um, I think that's just for tie breaks in area since they lost to the Dolphins too, and they're both eight and eight at this point. So they need a plentiful amount of things to happen. That's why they're only six point three percent chance of getting in. Um, will it happen? It could. I've seen crazier, but it'd be very, <clears throat> it's definitely the bleakest chance of any team uh, that's still remaining in the hunt uh, going into this final week of the season. And now time for my, probably my favorite part, favorite segment of episode four here of the powder blues. The possibility of the Chargers Raiders tying purposely to both make the postseason. Probably one of the most I mean, very fascinating story, really. And uh, depending on how Sunday's early games go, it could be a, a, a really a real story uh, as game time would start. Now, this is what um, someone brought this up, where if, if Indianapolis loses to Jacksonville at noon, the Chargers and Raiders could purposely just kneel every play, tie, so that both teams would finish 9-7-1, and in that case, both would make the playoffs. That's why Pittsburgh needs just one of them to win in their scenario to make it. Because in that scenario, so Indy loses, they go to 9-8. They would all, them and even if Pittsburgh wins, they would all three be 9-7-1, but the Chargers and Raiders make it based on conference record, or based on head-to-head uh, against Pittsburgh. Would that not be fascinating? I mean, it's just a little bit fascinating. No, I'm not sure if the league would allow it. Some people are saying, "Oh, it's not, it's not illegal," or "It's not illegal," um, and they're right. But I just can't think that Roger Goodell, uh, for the things he does, and for a lot of the stupid things that players get fined for, and stuff in general, and everything in the league, uh, that of them allowing that to happen, of just watching a team, two teams, kneel the entire way, even though it's legal, I don't think they would allow it. Um, like on Madden, you could do it all you want, but where they would allow that to happen um, without any future fines or really forfeits or anything. I, I mean, I could see it being a huge problem. Uh, say they caught, because then I'm sure they would say, like, oh, the Chargers and the Raiders fixed the game by, I guess they could say that. They could say they fixed the game uh, and find evidence of where they talked to each other, I'm sure, by based on, like, text messages and recording. they probably go on a whole search and whole investigation and um, – it would be it would be pretty bad if they learned they fix games and stuff for both sides. Uh, so there's no way they would probably allow it in the first place. I don't think. I would. I, I don't see any way they would. Um. But it is. It's it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think. I, you know, I mean, in a way, it would be almost a smart idea. Because then, say, if it happened. Uh, L.A. would be the 6, Vegas the 7, um, both the 9, 7, and 1. But what it would do, I mean, you say, okay, we're, you, you kind of obviously you'd have to decide that day, so you watch the indie game. Or I, I guess you could decide now, but you'd want to, I mean, you wouldn't want the focus being that week, like, oh, i got to focus on another game. Say if you did it, hypothetically. And then say when it happens, you're like, okay, so you, you're like, okay, we're going to tie. So then... Uh, you keep your players all rested. So, you, I mean, you basically get a bye week going into wild card weekend. 
where you're going to have to go on the road against and somewhere is cold. Um, so, yeah, you just purposely, purposely tie. You get a, a week off for your players that don't have to worry about any big injuries going into the postseason or anything like that. Uh, and you get ready to go, and you can uh, just watch film on your opponents. Get or know because you know at that point you know what your opponent is by the time you're starting to play for next weekend. I mean, really, it's an idea. Obviously, Brandon Staley, Chargers coach, they talked to him about it. He said that too competitive uh, a coach and of a team. Too many guys in this league are too competitive to ever, ever do that. I mean, to go to get together and do that, but who knows? Like maybe if it happens in the late in the game, and it's say it's like a twenty twenty ball game. Would, I don't know, would they miss the kick and end of regulation to send it to overtime or at the end of overtime? If it got to that far at that point, just say, screw it, let's tie. Or would they, you know, throw a pick at the end and just kind of let the time, oh, let the time trickle down, you know? Just not show up, but, like, if it comes down to where it's close, where they could they could just cheat and do so. It is fascinating. Um if it was maybe like two random teams, you could see, I could almost, I really could see it, but being it's one of the biggest rivalries in the sport, obviously it wouldn't happen just in that in general. Uh, being able to knock either of each other out of the playoffs. The Raiders could in that scenario, say Pittsburgh also lost, they would actually have a chance to make the wild card. Or they would already be clinched, which is kind of weird, I think. But I don't know, man. It's a crazy thing to think. And were it to happen, I I just I would be interested if it wasn't my team, I would be very interested to see what would happen like afterwards, the after effect of it. See if the league would like file an investigation or so. I feel like they would. Cause I think I mean, couldn't they say that's a fixed game? That teams like if they found evidence of them talking where they like planned it out. But, I mean, they couldn't. Like, say it was, like, 23-23. I mean, who's going to plan that out, you know? I mean, I think NFL refs definitely fix stuff in general in the league. So there's there's games and stuff. Definitely are fixed. There's no question. There's no question. It's obvious sometimes. You can just see it. But it, it's it's a weird scenario. And I, I it would be awesome to see it kind of play out where, say, if Indy does lose. And it comes to fruition, at least to where, like, it's a possibility. And then if the game's close, and it, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be brought up a lot. I know that. I know Collinsworth and uh, Al will bring it up, or if it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's Michaels. Uh, maybe it's Trico. Take either one. But it's a weird thing to think, man. Both will be in the playoffs, get a week off, and get ready to go. You know, why not? I'd be, I mean, we'd be in the playoffs, so I, I'd be okay. And I wouldn't, like, we'd be healthy, ready to go. I mean, Obviously, I want to knock the Raiders out, but there's worse things that could happen than get a free birth to the playoffs. We'll be crazy. Anyways, that's it for the AFC. Let's go to the NFC clinching, uh, play a picture of clinching scenarios. This one probably will be quicker. Not a lot of, not a lot going on here. Like, uh, starting with the one seed, uh, Green Bay has already clinched the first round by and home field. Rodgers is still playing this week against Detroit, even with um, – with them clinched into their spot, um, Rodgers is, like I said, projected to play at least a little bit to stay fresh. I, I would play him too. You don't want two weeks off. It could be too much. But for the second straight year, NFC goes through Lambeau. Last year, it didn't matter. 
out to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Um, who knows this time? Only seven and six since 2000 at home. Uh, most home losses in the playoffs out of any team. So it hasn't really been uh, dominant. Uh, they really have not been dominant at Lambeau. You know, we saw the year they went 15 and one. They lost to the Giants off first round by. So sometimes the first round by can be a disadvantage. And I, that's why I'm obviously Rodgers and crew are going to be playing here. Um, keep them, still keep them as fresh as possible. Um, so Packers are locked in. Out of the other 256 scenarios, there is a little bit, uh, a little bit different stuff going on. Right now, the two seed is uh, the Rams at 12 and four. Packers are at 13 and three. They're alone best record, I believe. 12 and four is Los Angeles. Uh, and they're the only one that has not locked up the division. The NFC West is still technically up for grabs. Uh, and it's, it's a tough game they have to win to win the division. As the Rams, they have to beat the Niners at home, home a team they've lost to in five consecutive games. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has had McVay's number, which is kind of crazy to think. Uh, but the Rams, if they win or Arizona gets upset by Seattle at home, they win the NFC West. Um, that's the only two scenarios they can win the West there, obviously. So pretty simple to win the West, what they got to do. Obviously, if they win is also if they win, they're clinched into the two seed. Uh, so they get at least two home games at SoFi Stadium. Fifty uh, percent of the model, they are the two seed. Uh, the only they actually have twenty five percent chances the five. Then, uh, saying Arizona wins, Arizona's got the only other seventy five percent chance as the five. So Arizona and the Rams, the only two can be the five seed. Um, Rams win, they're the two. Say they do lose though, uh, and Tampa was identical records at twelve and four. They're behind based on head to head differences. Were to win. Uh, or were to win, they would be the two seed at 13-4. Uh, and then that would change things as Tampa would host the Rams if they had to play each other in the division around. So that, that can be a huge thing. Uh, I don't think you want to go there. I think both teams are comfortable playing on the road. Um, we saw Tampa struggle. I mean, it's a long road trip uh, without a bye, everything. So, and a long season. So, it would still be nice to have if you're one of those teams. Uh, that's the way Tampa can get the two. Dallas is a game behind after a loss last week to Arizona. They were in control of the two seed until last week. Until last week's loss at home. Um, so they're twelve and five or eleven and five game back. Um, to get to the two seed though, they still can do it. They would need a win this week, and then they would need Tampa, the Rams, and Arizona to lose. Um, so they would need a lot to happen to get to the two seed. It's not that it matters. They've obviously already clinched the NFC East. And uh and this and this scenario right now, they are set up to play Arizona in a rematch they just played two weeks ago. So they probably don't want to do that. I think they'd much rather play San Francisco or uh, Philly, who they play again this weekend. I'm not sure if they're resting starters or anything like that. They dominated the Eagles first time, but Philly's really changed as a team. Since Sam Monday night or earlier in the season. Um, to get the three seed, they would have to win. They would have to have Tampa win, and then again, they'd have to have Arizona and the Rams lose. The reason Arizona, obviously, they lose the tiebreaker, they lost the tiebreaker with them, and both teams are eleven and five. And for Arizona to win the division, they both have to be at twelve and five because the Rams would have to lose to finish also twelve and five. Uh, and in that case, they'd be ahead of Dallas. So that's kind of why they need to keep losing. Uh, Arizona, like I said, can be the two seed uh, with a win and the Rams loss and a Tampa loss. So that's pretty simple that for them to actually get the two. So they can be as high as a two, or they could be uh, in the wild card game as a five seed. That's seventy five percent chance of where they'll be. Probably will there be, uh, who knows though. I mean, like we said, Rams, Niners have their number. And I think they'll beat Seattle as long as they play everybody. I don't see Seattle winning that game. But nothing to play for for the Seahawks other than maybe it being Russell Wilson's last game in that uniform. Um, 
so yeah, talked about Arizona. They're eleven to five. Um, need a win and a Rams loss to win the division uh, and host a playoff game. Finally, under their three game losing streak. That's what matters most. Last week against a good Dallas team as well. So it's good for them to just get back going again, like they did earlier in the year. Uh, the only team that has not clinched a spot that is currently in the playoff picture in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, San Fran at 9-7. and seven. They take control of the 6 seed with, in a tiebreaker, head-to-head tiebreaker back uh, from back in Week 2 at Lincoln Financial over the Eagles, who are also 9-7. and seven. The only difference is Philly has clinched a playoff spot. They're at the 7th seed, and like I said, both teams 9-7. and seven. Uh, Philly's got a 62.5% chance to be in the 7th. Niners contain or clinch not only a playoff spot but the sixth seed with a win. Uh, they also, I mean, it's really simple. They just need either win or they need New Orleans to lose. Which it, it's simple, but it's tough because uh, they get the tougher game. They have to go at the Rams, who not only even though they've had their number, uh, still a very good team who's really figured it out late after a really a midseason skid, which really every team this year went through. But they've won five in a row, uh, including a couple of tough games uh, and tough environments on the road. Rams looking very impressive right now. I would not want to play some. And New Orleans gets an Atlanta team that's not very good, uh, and actually not very good at home. So it's actually worse that it's not in uh, Louisiana uh, for the Niners' sake. And instead, uh, it's at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, where Atlanta's only won one game. They were 2-5 and five at home, but one of those games came in London against the Jets. It's just over the years they really struggle at home. I don't. I think the Saints are going to win, so the Niners got to come through, and I hope they do. I would much rather watch San Francisco, even if it's Jimmy G and not Trey Lance, over a boring Saints team with Taysom Hill at quarterback. I that has no chance of winning the Super Bowl. They maybe could somehow pull it. I don't think. No, nah, they're not even going to win a game. I really don't want to see New Orleans there. Incredible job by Sean Payton to get him there. Shows how good of a coach he is with all the injuries and stuff this season. Um, they're also five and seven at one point after. Five and two start last five in a row, um, but they need some stuff to go. I still San Fran's a lot more fun team to watch, and they actually have a chance to win some games here. You never know if the Niners could all of a sudden really get it going. They played a lot better at the end of the season here, uh, won six of their last eight in general. Um, so New Orleans would need a win and a San Fran loss to get in. That's the only way they'd be the seventh seed. They can't get the six seed. Philly, like I said. A loss and a San or a win and a San Fran loss is how they get the six. Other than that, if they lose, well, actually, or if they lose and New Orleans wins and San Fran loses, they would also get the set, the six seed in that position. That's if they all finish nine and eight. Uh, they have the best conference record, so they win that tiebreak of nine and eight teams. Well, they're both of them in New Orleans are seven to five, but they dominated the Saints head to head at home. So that's how they would they would win that tiebreak. So that's why they're also already clinched. So yeah, that's it. New Orleans the only team out of the picture or in the hunt, and San Fran the only one that's in the playoff picture that is not clinched. So just very easy in the NFC uh, as far as who's trying to get in, trying to figure all that out. Uh, Niners with a sixty, Niners with a seventy five percent chance of making it. Only twenty five then for New Orleans. Um. And most of the division stuff is also cleared up. So a lot of stuff is figured out in the NFC compared to the AFC, I would say. Um, but still a lot to go going into the last week of the season. Uh, and it should be a very fun week 18 starting on Saturday between Denver and Kansas City. Also have Dallas-Philly that night. Uh, and then Sunday, 14 games ending with Chargers-Raiders.
now that we covered uh, what the playoff picture looks like, it's time to do our actual predictions and see how it's going to finish. Uh, starting with the games Saturday, like we said, Kansas City, I think it's going to blow out Denver, just like they have the last nine times to play the Broncos. Uh, they're going to win. And just like all nine times, really, it, it, it has not been close. I mean, Denver has been so far off from beating Patrick Mahomes and beating Andy Reid since Peyton Manning retired. It's crazy. Uh, and I see that continuing Saturday. Disappointing season for the Broncos. Start at 3-0. They're going to finish 7-10, and including losing their last four to completely eliminate themselves from any chance of making the postseason. Uh, probably, Vic, in all likelihood, Vic Fangio's final game. Who knows if Denver kind of clears house. They need to figure out a quarter, big quarterback position. I mean, they haven't. Manning retired, uh, what was it, right after the 2015 Super Bowl. And here we are seven years later saying the biggest thing Denver needs to figure out, uh, not only head coach uh, since Kubiak retired, uh, but the quarterback position. I mean, the fact that it's seven years um it's one of the main things that makes me just in no way take for granted uh, what we have in Justin Herbert with the Chargers and what we had with Philip Rivers right before that. I mean, I just cannot be thankful enough that I've never had to worry in any way about the quarterback position for us. Like, it's, it was one guy my whole career, my whole life that I got to watch. No one I'd rather watch than Philip. And then, as amazing as a, or just amazing a guy and player, Justin Herbert. Awesome. Awesome to have. When you look at teams like the Broncos that are still searching seven years later for such. Um, but yeah, that's going to be the word. I mean, I, I'm guessing Fangio will be gone Monday. Who will they go with? I don't know. Um, who Maybe they'll clear it completely house. I heard there, there, there's chances they will, not just quarterback, coach. I mean, it could be front office moves, everything, really. We saw Von Miller get traded earlier and stuff too. So different times in Denver, uneasy times in Denver. Um. But I think the Chiefs win. They finished 12-5. and four, five. Uh, With that win, that eliminates Cincinnati and New England's chances of getting the one seed, which are very, wasn't probably going to happen anyways. But uh, Kansas City's locking it into a top two seed. Uh, Dallas, I think, goes into Philly and beats the Eagles. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure if anybody's sitting out, of the, uh, sitting out for either teams. I don't think anybody has. I don't know why you would. I mean, you're playing next week. You might as well stay fresh and stay in game mood a little bit here. Or at least by half, I would. Um, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys nonetheless. I think they sweep Philadelphia. Eagles, great finish of the year to make the playoffs. Two and five start, seven and two cents. Heck of a job by Nick Sirianni and crew. Definitely should be uh, in the conversation for coach of the year. There's a lot of guys there, though. It's It might be the toughest coach of the year voting, as I can, tough as I can remember, really, as far as how many candidates there are. I mean, there almost needs to be an AFC and NFC one this year, and even then it would be tough. But I think Cowboys win, finish 12-5. and five. Does Dallas, uh, depending on the other games, they will be in the fourth spot. And unless San Fran loses and New Orleans wins, the Eagles are locked into the seventh spot in the NFC. Now we go to Sunday's games. Um, Cincinnati-Cleveland. Joe Burrow's not playing. I'm guessing a lot of other players for the Bengals will sit out. And it's a one-week bye anyway, so I can see where the team like them would do it. Uh, their seating is pretty much locked in. It doesn't matter who they're going to play. Uh, but the ben- Browns, obviously, Baker Merrifield's also out getting soldier's shoulder surgery on his torn labrum and his arm. Need to get that as quick as possible. Um, but I honestly, at this point, Case Keenum's an upgrade. Uh, he's always been an underrated quarterback in general, but 
Yeah, with how bad Mayfield played, obviously a lot of it could have been due to injury. I think it's a definite upgrade. Keenum should have been playing earlier because clear Mayfield just couldn't throw the ball anymore. Um, but still, I'm just going to pick Cincinnati just because I'm not. I'm just not high in the Browns. I think they've kind of they've kind of thrown the towel, threw the towel in, and yeah, I don't think Stefanski and Cleveland really cares anymore. So I'm going to still go with the Bengals. I think they still care more, and a lot of guys still want to show themselves for next week. Um, so I think they go and still win in this game on the road, finish 11 and six in the regular season. Cleveland finishes disappointing seven and ten. Um, Washington Jets or Giants, one of two games here that have zero playoff implications. Well, really three. Green Bay, Detroit, both teams are locked in the best seed in the NFC and the worst record in the NFC. Um, but I'm going to go Washington. Giants have no offense, and that's all that needs to be said there. Minnesota, Chicago, I'm going to go with the Vikes. Um, neither team is any, if anything, both teams probably want to lose. Um, Vikes seven and nine, they're out of the playoff picture for the second straight year. This is probably it for Mike Zimmer and Matt Nagy too. So two coaches in the NFC North coaching probably their last game against each other. Um, they should be coaching the last game against each other. Both teams need to make moves. Uh, and with fields out, it's not like the bears are in position where it's like, or either team's in a position where it's like, oh, you have a rookie quarterback that you still want to, you know, win games and stuff like that. Like when we had Herbert last year, we won our last four. Might have hurt our draft stock. Well, it, Herbert needed to get the confidence with winning. I uh, know knows know how it feels to win win games in the NFL, and we still got Rayshon Slater at thirteen, so it didn't even matter. Um, but if the Vikes, I'm the Vikes. If you're the Vikes, you want to lose this game. I have them at tenth if they lose, right ahead of the Bears. Well, actually, it would be the Giants' pick uh, with that trade to get Fields last year, um, or fourteen could be a big difference. Um, to fit their defensive needs or the line, their needs uh, on the offensive line, another receiver, whatever they want to go with, quarterback, who knows. I'm going to go with the Vikings. They're at home, they're at home and I think they sweep Chicago. Uh, Green Bay, I think, beats Detroit. Rodgers is still playing, and I think that's enough for Detroit. I mean, shoot, look at the year. That, I mean, the one year the Lions made the playoffs, but we're making the playoffs. Uh, they still lost to uh, Rodgers' list Packers team the last week of the season when Matt Flynn decided to go off and throw was it six touchdowns that was crazy that was the year they were 51 but that was nuts and then that got Matt Flynn like a three-year huge contract extension in Seattle only for him to get uh outplayed by Russell Wilson and never start a game there one of the mysteries in the league really it's always crazy when that happens kind of like how that happened with uh Mike Lennon in Chicago gave him a massive extension massive contract from the Bucks, and then they draft Trubisky at number two and he starts the entire time I just, I just don't get how GMs can be that bad. At least in Seattle's sake, they did it for a guy that's still starting and has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league since he's came in. One of the best quarterbacks ever. Russell Wilson. But, I mean, yeah, three years, $20 million, $9 million guaranteed. That's crazy. A year later, he's traded to Oakland for a fifth-round pick. Couldn't win the, he couldn't win the job there either. Terrell Pryor, who barely played some games and ended up being a receiver later in his career, for God's sake. So... Yeah, um, back to the Packers and the Lions, not Matt Flynn here. Uh, I don't care if it's Rodgers or Jordan Love playing. I got the Packers. Green Bay's clinched the one seed, but they're going to win anyways. And Detroit, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the only they, They're either the one or the two first or second pick, and they're not in control of the first pick. They need Jacksonville to win as well as them take team with the loss. Uh, so I don't see that happening. Yeah, six touchdowns, 480 yards. Jeez. Crazy. 
one of the biggest one-game winners ever. Matty Flynn. So I'm going to go with Packers. All right, that's kind of it for games that don't matter at noon. Um, Tennessee, Houston, I do not see the Texans sweeping the tech or sweeping Tennessee. Uh, Texans have really found the groove late in the year again. Dangerous team, and I think they win and clinch the first round by. They're going to have Derrick Henry ready to as he's on designated to return. Talk about dangerous. Not a team I would want to play off win on wildcard weekend, which kind of sucks because if we get in, we're going to be the seventh seed and we're going to have to do exactly that. Well, most likely seven. I don't know. Being a, being, getting in as a five or a six is a very low chance. Um, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Winner just needs, winner is just trying to stay alive um, in the playoff line. So that's all you, that's the only, you're just trying to survive and keep yourself alive even if it's for mere seconds or even, I mean, this game could be over and, after the Colts game and say Andy wins, you're already done anyways. But for the time being, I got Pittsburgh being the one to stay alive. It could be Ben Roethlisberger. Not only the last game in general, but the last game against the Baltimore Ravens, I think he goes out with a bang just like he did in his last game against Cleveland. And Pittsburgh against 9-7-1. A lot better against the daunting schedule going into the year than I thought they'd do. Uh, but that just shows how good Mike Tomlin is at his job. Um, he just finds ways. Never in, what is it, 15 years has he been under 500? That's incredible. That's one thing that always makes me laugh, too, is you'll, you'll see every now and then since they haven't won a Super Bowl and haven't been to a Super Bowl in a while, that people will be like, is it is Mike Tomlin, or should Mike Tomlin, or they'll want Mike Tomlin out in Pittsburgh? And I always laugh to myself, like, there's literally 25 teams probably in the league that as soon as Matt... Mike Tomlin gets fired, they would be on that phone in an instant. Instant. I mean, he would be out of a job for mere seconds. Like, if I was the Vikings, where he used to be an assistant coach, I would throw the bag. But being in the Vikings, they probably wouldn't. But I would. But yeah, Tomlin should never leave Pittsburgh. I don't see him ever leaving. I don't see it ever happening anyways, really. Um, Nine to seven to one. Pittsburgh goes into Baltimore Ravens in the year on a six-game skid. Obviously, Lamar Jackson didn't play in most of them, and they finished under five hundred. Wow, how about that? From the one seed to under five hundred. So the AFC's been this year, man. It's been crazy. Uh, Indy, Jacksonville, now big game. Probably the biggest game as far as scenarios go. Um, in the league, going to the final week of the season, I'm going to go with the Colts. Come on, man. They're not losing the this terrible Jacksonville. One of the worst teams I've really ever seen. Uh, with a chance to go to the playoffs. There's no way. There's no way. Carson Wentz gets it done. They finish 10-7. and seven, uh, And they're going to the postseason. Plain and simple. Now we go to the 3 o'clock games. 3 o'clock window. Tampa's going to beat Carolina. I don't care if Tom Brady plays or they suit up a kid in the stands to play quarterback. I think they could still beat Carolina by double digits. I mean... This team is a nightmare. What a terrible finish. Very disappointing. One of my most disappointing teams in the league. Maybe my most uh, by, by a long shot. Like, I thought the team, I thought Stan Darnold, first of all, would do a great job. I thought Matt Rule was the guy for the job as well. And, yeah, I thought the only thing that was going to stop this team, I had them going 8-9. And the only reason was because their schedule was very tough going into the year. Now, that was the only thing I had stopping them from going to the postseason really, in the NFC. 
Um, but they were far in. They started 3-0. They looked very good. Darnold was playing well, and then it just went off a cliff. Cam Newton came, has been the worst quarterback, starting quarterback since he's played in the league. P.J. Walker, not the answer. Rule is, obviously, uh, CMC's been out. And Rule just does not, has just not got it done, gone to done. Uh, I think it's, it might be his time to go as well. Uh, the owner, uh, their owner, Tepper, is not going to deal with this any longer. So I could definitely see him making a move. He, he, he does not like losing that guy. I could definitely see him making a move here already. Um, no, he's very disappointed, like all Panther fans are. And they have reason to be finishing 5-12, and 12, going 3-12 and 12 in your last – or going 2-12 and 12 in the last 14 games is very bad. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be – Carolina's going to be excited to start the offseason and kind of, you know, get ready for having a possible top-10 pick. I have him at number six based on my results. Uh, and maybe a new coaching staff, new quarterback, all that. Uh, with the Bucks when they finished 13-4, depends on the Rams game where they're seated. Uh, Arizona, I think, beat Seattle. I know this could be Russell Wilson's last game, and Pete Carroll. That was one of my my coaching change um, segment last week was, would Pete Carroll be kicked out? Uh, just kind of booted out if Seattle wants to just completely start over at quarterback, at coach, at everything. Uh, which they haven't done in a long, long time. I'm not sure it will happen, but no matter what, I just don't see Seattle winning this game. They just don't have a lot of momentum or anything. They finished very disappointing, 6-11, and 11, only time under Russell Wilson that they've been under 500. Uh, the first time since B. Carroll's first year when they went 7-9 that they've been under 500 with him as well. Uh, and Arizona wins it, keeps their division lows a hot, division hopes alive, and they get it. San Francisco clinches a playoff berth, six consecutive one over the Rams. They sweep them again, finish 10-7 and seven at the sixth seed in the NFC. They'll get Arizona in the first round as the Cardinals win the division at 12-5. and five. Rams, 12-5 and five wild card. They'll face Dallas in the first round. Tampa goes to the two. They'll play in the two slot. They'll play Philly in the first round. Crazy. And New Orleans, I have New Orleans beating Atlanta. But obviously at nine and eight, they get booted out. They lose a tiebreaker with Philly head to head wise, uh, and the Niners with their win knock them out of the playoffs. And the AFC, I think the Bills beat the Jets at home. No way, sixteen and a half spread says it all about how easily the Bills should win this game. They won the AFC East for the second year in a row and go into the playoffs to the four. And then in New England, New England beats Miami uh, just for fun's sake, just to keep their place at the five seed. As they could move all the way back to seven with a loss here. Um, but they don't do that. They win. And they set up round number three with Buffalo. Uh, once again, in Orchard Park, row team won the first two matchups. So obviously that was the, the Mac Jones um, air raid fast. Or throw a whole three, a whole three passes. Um, that road win on Monday Night Football in the win. Now, Sunday Night Football, Chargers Raiders. I will not be giving you my pick. I gave you my pick when we played Houston. We all saw what happened. So I'm just not going to do a pick on the Chargers this week. Not even going to just say, oh, we're going to lose or something. Nope. No pick. You got to do your imagination. All I will say is, I'll go over the playoff picture here. Tennessee the one, Kansas City two, Cincinnati three, Buffalo four, New England five. Just like it was projected going into the week, they all stick at the first five seeds as all teams win. Based on my predictions. And then if the Raiders win, they get the six, Indy moves to seven. Chargers win Indy 6, just like usual. Chargers 7, and it would all stay the same as it went into going into Week 18. That's how the AFC goes. For the NFC, 
pretty much just, eh, it's a little bit different, actually. Green Bay is the one, obviously, they already clinched. Tampa moves up into the two at 13 at four. Cardinals, 12 and five, they win the division with the Rams' loss and then beating Seattle at home. 12 and five, they win the division under the three. They beat Dallas in the tiebreaker with the head to head being the third seed as Dallas is the four at 12 and five. They face the Rams in the first round. I don't think Dallas is too pleased about that. Um, disappointing for the Rams to lose the division on the last week of the season. Niners at 10 and seven with the wind clinched the sixth seed, and Philly goes in at nine and eight after loss at the seventh seed. They'll get Tampa first round. That's how the playoff put, playoff picture looks finalized uh, in my predictions here. With my predictions in week 18, that's what I believe the playoff picture will be going into next week's wild card, super wild card weekend. I cannot wait. Uh, game on Monday, actually. There's going to be, how about that? Two games Saturday. Or is it, yeah, two Saturday, three Sunday, and one Monday night. That's going to be nuts. I can't wait, even if the Chargers aren't in. I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to have our playoff challenge for the fantasy football, which that will be a discussion next week, actually, for a segment. Um, is I'll give you my my picks for my playoff challenge for next week. Uh, but that's all my predictions for week 18 of the NFL season. Now, even though I will not be making a pick for the game, no question I will be giving you my preview of the huge Charger Raider Sunday night game. And the implications are large and they are clear. You win, you're going you're going to the postseason, your season continues, and you lose, and you're on all likelihood done. Officially done if you're the Chargers. Raiders have a little chance if they lose uh, with other stuff happening. But that probably won't. So it's win or go home. I mean, this is – the playoffs might start next week officially, but this is a playoff game in Las Vegas on Sunday Night Football on NBC. No question about it. Um, as big of a game as you can get for a regular season game, you know. It's for a wild card, not division-wise, uh, but it's as big as a game as you can get at Allegiant Stadium Sunday night. Uh, the Chargers, Raiders, both 9-7 and seven on the year. L.A. dominated the only meeting this season, 28-14 back in week four, so a long time ago, and a lot has changed since that game. Uh, back on Monday Night Football, that game was. Um, it was a big game. It was a huge game. I mean, it was as big a Raider-Charger game as I could remember. As a fan, uh, they started, or Oakland, or the Raiders were three and zero, and atop the AFC going into that game. Chargers, we were two and one. That was kind of our coming out party that game. Uh, probably the most complete game we played all year, in my opinion. Uh, we were just on display on Monday Night Football, and we came to play big time. Up twenty one nothing at the half. Uh, Raiders scored a couple touchdowns in the second half because we're the Chargers. We can never just blow anybody out. Uh, but then they missed a field goal. We went down, we had some big fourth down, massive fourth down conversions in this game. That was one of the biggest stories. The tight ends were the big story in this game. Uh, Austin Eckler ended up scoring a touchdown late to put us back up two scores, and then Derwin James sealed it with an interception from Carr to win at 28-14. Uh, second consecutive win versus the Raiders for us. Herbert now two, Herbie now 2-1 and one in his career against the Raiders. It's going to be a battle. I mean, most games with the Raiders are always a battle. Uh, early on as a fan, we kind of dominated the series. But since then, it's really been back and forth. Uh, and it, it's just always great games no matter who. No matter how good one of the teams is, how bad the other team might be. You're expe- you you need to expect one heck of a battle between the Chargers and the Raiders, one of the best rivalries of the sport. 
Uh, and one of the crazy things about this game, and for me, is it's the third straight primetime game between us. Last year, week 15, Thursday nighter in Vegas, uh, one of my favorite Charger games really in a long time. Herbert was phenomenal, set the tied the rookie record in that game for touchdowns, ran in the game-winning score on a QB sneak. I was in! In overtime to win it 30-27. to uh, If it wasn't if it wasn't for Broke Badger, we would have won it in regulation. But I'm kind of kind of glad we did. Honestly, I didn't want to. It didn't matter. We were four and nine. We were just trying to end the Raiders' season and their playoff hopes. Um, I just wanted to see Herbert go off. So it was actually I was actually Habert, happy when the Raiders kicked the field goal in overtime too, because I just wanted to see Herbert get the game when it score, and I was confident we were going to get it, and we did. So we won thirty twenty seven. So we won both the primetime games. Like I said, Monday night last time, Sunday night here. We won them both. Uh, we're pretty good in the Raiders in primetime in general. Uh, we used to used to always play them on Monday night, first game of the year. And we we never lost the first game of the year to them on that. It's the only time we really uh, – we've lost a couple Thursday nighters. And then we lost the one year we played Sunday night at like 10.30 at night because uh, the Athletics were playing an early playoff game. And so – we had a the game had to like move back or something or it was something I think they played maybe the day before or something like that so it was way late and it was it was ugly we got dominated that we got blown out that was back in 2013 we got tossed that was not a pretty game uh, but other than that we I mean we really dominated the series in my mind I think it's pretty clear we have um, or not dominated the series but dominated the Monday nighters more so I have won the series though too uh, two in a row as well. So that's kind of the background of the game, you know, big one, big, massive one, biggest game of the week in the NFL. Um, when you go home, it's like, like and it, it's just kind of awesome in my mind to see us and the Raiders have a game like this. Like we've had some big games. We've even had playoff games with like Denver, uh, Kansas City. It's usually always comes down to the division. I mean, we had a big divisional game earlier, just a couple weeks ago, actually. So, I mean, we've had many with the Chiefs. And Broncos, as far as divisional implications go and big games and stuff, but never with the Raiders. Not not like this. Not where it's like winner goes to the playoffs or, you know, I mean, because usually, I mean, let's be honest, the Raiders, not that we've been great either, but the Raiders are just never even close. I mean, they've won playoff berths since, since they went to the Super Bowl in, what year was it, 03, I believe? Uh, and that was back in 2016. So it's not like they really... It's it's really been their fault why we haven't had uh, very many big-time games as far as um, implications go. Um, but to, so to have that is just so f- exciting to me. So exciting. Um, that us and the Raiders are finally getting a primetime game, you know. If we honestly we lose, obviously. If we lose, it's it's going to be the worst feeling in the world. It really is. It's going to be a long offseason, and I'm not going to want to watch the Raiders play next weekend, I'll tell you that. Um, that's the only thing that stinks about when you're close to the playoffs is when you miss it, then it doesn't make it fun to watch. It just hurts. It really does. hurts a lot. Haven't had that problem the last couple of years, though. This year, that would be a problem. Um, I'm confident we're going to win it. Uh, I'm very confident in our team. But, no, it's it's just a huge game with the Raiders. We've never seen it, really before um i wish it was at sofi or even oakland it'd be kind of cool if it was in oakland 
big game there would be kind of sick for San Diego, obviously. Just Vegas kind of last place I want. I'd like the game to be, but good memories last year, obviously. That crazy game on Thursday night, uh, way that went. Um, so Chargers Raiders pivotal game for the play postseason. Never what I thought I'd see the day. Oh, here we are. Uh, back to that first game. One thing that was huge in that game was how we used our tight ends. That was the best game. I mean, we used everybody. Uh, Jared Cook had by far his best game of the year. He, he had a really good start to the year, really a struggle. Like six for 70 and a touchdown. And, I mean, the biggest plays he had were on fourth down. A couple huge fourth down conversions late in that game uh, to kind of seal it. He was huge. I mean, he got the game ball for for, for a reason. Uh, Steven Anderson had a nice 34-yard reception down the sideline. Uh, and Chicken Parm had a couple catches, had a touchdown, had the first score of the game, actually. Uh, so the tight ends were utilized more than any game they have all year, all three of them. Um, sadly, Chicken Farm won't be available. Jerry Cook is off the COVID list, so he's back, but he's really been in a funk. Uh, he's done a lot more bad than good of late, so hope, maybe he'll come back. Maybe this will be his revival game. Uh, and then Steven Anderson, also obviously solid player. Uh, so that was a big thing. Eckler had a huge day, 15 for 117, over almost eight yards of carry. Unbelievable. Also had a touchdown snag, two touchdowns overall. I mean, Eckler, Eckler and Steven Anderson had two big games. The defense played out of their minds. That was that was kind of that's why I thought the defense that was going to be their coming out party is what I thought. You know, it was kind of like, holy, if our defense plays like this, you know, that really makes the Chargers uh, dangerous. And sadly, we battled a little bit of too much, a little too much inconsistency for that to be the case. Uh, but when this week, it doesn't really matter. Let's be honest here. When this week and all that chatter. Doesn't matter because we're playing the postseason just like everybody else. We're all in the same spot. Um, but yeah, uh, defense really got after. Jerry probably had his best game of the year. He had a, a big time sack, tackle for loss. Uh, obviously, Derwin had an interception. Uh, one of the, his first pick of the year, first pick in you know a couple of years, obviously. Uh, Offensively, we didn't have any turnovers. Well, we had we had that weird play in fourth down where Ty Long threw it. He tried to make a play on it instead of punting it. But we had no official turnovers or anything like that. Uh, I think only a couple sacks allowed. Crosby had zero, didn't do anything. Crosby didn't have any pressures or anything, uh, which was huge. Stopping him. Um, so, yeah, it was just a complete game that we played. You know, it really never felt... Like it was in doubt, even when the Raiders scored 14 in a row in the third to make it a touchdown game. I just feel very in control, very good about our performance. Uh, I mean, I don't think a lot's changed. A lot's changed. Obviously, coaching, different coach, the number one receiver. A lot's changed as far as the Raiders side goes, you know, with personnel uh, and stuff like that. But I don't think it's the game's changed much as far as what either team has to do to win the game. Um, Charters. I think it comes down to who can get a stop defensively, really, or either a defensive stop or really I think I can see it coming down to who has the ball last, kind of like first Kansas City. Um, and in that case, who do you trust more, a quarterback? Derek Carr or Justin Herbert? According to James Jones, he trusts Derek Carr. Now, obviously, he played for Carr, so that would that's probably why he chose him. Um, they asked him on NFL Network who, the, who he trusts more in this game. But, like, like come on, man. I mean, the funny thing is when he said it, is he kind of, he brought up that 
every time Derek Carr has been in a situation to win a game, he, he's done it. He basically called him unbelievably clutch. And other than like last week, I can't. I don't think there's ever been one time where Derek Carr has clutched up in a big game. Like, sure, he has a lot of winning game winning drives. I'll give him that. But when in in a game that matters, in like a situation where their season's on the line to get to the playoffs to win a division title, when has he stepped up and made that play? I I never, you know, really. Not trying to be mean, but he I I don't not one time other than you could say last week. I give him last week, and I guess Cleveland maybe too. But outside of this year, this little stretch, which good for him, playing a good ball. It's it hasn't happened, you know. Like to say you trust Derek. I mean, this is a guy, and and sure he has had this year. But what about the first seven years? Like I know he he didn't play in the postseason, or he had an unfortunate injury the year that they would have made the postseason, or they made it in twenty sixteen at the end of the year, broke his leg or whatever, so he couldn't play. So I'll give him that year. But other than that, I mean, they've had some decent teams in the past, some teams that at least were competitive, and he couldn't get the job done. Like last year, they were 7-5 and five and had three consecutive games at home with a chance uh, to really solidify themselves as a postseason threat, and they went 0-3. Lost at the end versus Miami. Lost to us. Well, he got hurt in the game. Uh, Mariota mostly played in the game versus us. Uh, but he also lost to Indianapolis. Three teams uh, in the playoff race. Well, we weren't. Um and he couldn't get the job done. Year before they started six and four, faltered till the, near the end of the year again. So, to say Derek Carr, you trust more, and that he's had clutch moments, um, is just—I mean, it's just downright wrong. Like, look at Herbert. Herbert leads the league right now, or second in the league, uh, with five fourth quarter and game fourth quarter comebacks and five game-winning drives, um, and already has six in his career, which is crazy. I mean, five, second year to have already five game-winning drives. Um, and like I said, and it's his second year, and he already has – he win, He wins. He's going to be playing more playoff games than Derek Carr in his eight-year career. Um, it just With just one game played last next week. Carr's never started a playoff game. Again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt 2016, but he still has never, not just one, but started a playoff game. He's had seven other years, and they haven't even finished above 500 in they have this year, so they have at least had to drive over 500. But to say you trust, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And, and the points, the reasons for it is just very bad. Like the poll underneath, 88% of people said they trust Herbert more. Like the guys, as clutch as they come, for as young, it's just incredible at his age how cool he is at the end of games, man. I mean, really, he is very, he's just incredibly poised and incredibly, um, cool and collected when it comes to the end of the games, man, and it shows week in and week out. Uh, big, I mean, when we need a game winning drive, even if we're down, I 100% trust them. Like the Kansas City game, I mean, we well, we had a quick drive with like a minute. We got it back with a minute 19. Um, and we couldn't get a field goal and it ended up going to overtime. But it, I mean, all I, said, I was telling myself, Kansas City, I mean, we didn't have, we had little time then, very little time. Uh, we had a, and we threw the ball to Jared Cook on third down, and that explains it all. But um, all I was telling myself the whole time, it was like the Raider game last year on Thursday night again. Just even if, even if they get a field goal, I'm fine because we got Herbert, and I trust Herbert to go down the field and win the game. Um, 
especially now that we have a coach in Brandon Staley that really just actually allows him to do that uh, with full trust shown in Herbie. Um, his ability's insane. And that, that kind of calmness at the end of games is something that's going to – is another just incredible trait that this man has, and that's going to lead us in uh, the direction of a lot of wins in the future. With it being the final week of the season, a lot of people have started to discuss who they think should win which award or their respective awards uh, for the NFL season uh, for 2021-2022. So I will be giving you my picks here as well as a couple of people I think should be kind of in that conversation. So if they win it, I'm not mad. Uh, starting with the most valuable player. And I think... I mean, you could put Herbie in the conversation, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, but I think it comes down to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, um, which is crazy to think of the year 2022. 20, it's still down to these two. That just shows the greatness of these two. They're the two greatest to ever play the position, and I think it's pretty obvious in my mind, to be honest. Um, so Ken Rodgers won his second in a row, and the 44-year-old uh, won it again. I'm going to go Brady. Now, there's just, I mean, their statistics are both insane. Brady leads the league in most categories, such as touchdowns, yards, stuff like that. Has 12 picks. Rodgers only has four interceptions, has five less touchdowns. Um, has a better passer rating. Uh, his team has a better record, though that's not that big of a difference. Um, they both had amazing seasons. Um, but I, I just give the edge to Brady. Just the fact that he's doing it again at this age and everything. And they've had a little bit of injuries here at the end of the year, too. Uh, they've continued to play well. Uh, both are in great – let's be honest. Both are in tremendous spots of great coaching, uh, a lot of weapons, um, and both have had great seasons. So, really, if it, it could go either way, but I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Uh, just the fact that he's doing it still at this age once again, coming off a Super Bowl year and putting together another great season is just absolutely incredible. Uh, as for offensive player of the year, it comes down to Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. Both are putting setting record, putting up record seasons at their positions respectively. Uh, but I'm going to go with JT, and it is again, it's very, very close. If it goes Cooper Cup, he 100% deserves it. You're not, I'm not mad. 18 rushing touchdowns though for Jonathan Taylor, over 1,700 yards on the ground. I mean, he has catapulted this Colts team to the playoffs after a one and four start. It's just been absolutely incredible. That's why I think I give it to him is I feel like he's um, taking this team's just by the – taking this team on its back completely, uh, more than, say, Cup has, uh, as good as Cup has been. Um, and I'll tell you right now, before the year, I told my dad, I said, I think Jonathan – if I had the number one pick, I think I'd take Jonathan Taylor. He's my sleeper number one pick. And he, as a lot of people heard, would looked at me like I was crazy. Because, I mean, he was like eighth through tenth on the list just – Maybe running, I think running backs alone. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just had a feeling he was going to have an amazing year. But then I told me, I told myself, I'm like, oh, they have Marlon Mack and stuff. So I'm not going to take him just because they have other uh, capable backs. So I'm not sure if he'll get the necessary touches all the time uh, to do it. And, well, not that even if Marlon Mack was healthy, it wouldn't matter uh, the way JT has played. So that's why I will always follow my heart in fantasy football again because I would have been right. Uh, but no, Cooper Cobb has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's 136 receiving yards to set the all-time record. Obviously, that's what, in a 17-game season. But what people don't realize is these records, I mean, look at all the records in the past have been broken because the games have continued. Or they've had uh, 
they went from what 12 to 14 they went to 14 to 16 so i mean before that there's guy they records were broken from that too so it's not like this hasn't happened yeah that's just how i mean that's just how sports work uh you end up they end up playing more games and the ends up Stuff like this, but I mean, no matter what, even in a 16 game season, 138 for 800 over 1800 yards and 15 touchdowns, absolutely incredible. Uh, best slot guy in the league. Uh, Matthew Stafford being his quarterback has really just elevated not only their entire team's game, but especially Cooper Cup. Just incredible season for the former unhighly touted prospect, um, coming out of Eastern Washington. Defensive player of the year, I think this one's easy. T.J. Watt. This is probably the easiest one, uh, but it's T.J. Watt. Uh, needs just one and a half sacks to break the all-time record of Michael Strand's 22 and a half, which has been over a decade and a half. It's been um, – that record has stayed. Uh, but – and the thing with Watt, they can't say anything about the season because he's only played – it would only be 14 games he's going to play now this week. It's going to be his 14th game play or 15. So he's not easy to play in less than 16. He might do it. That's how good he has been. Uh, Could have won the award last year. Aaron Donald ended up winning it, but I think it goes to him. And my runner-up is Derwin James. I don't know if there's a more um, important player to a team's defense or offense or whatever in the game of football than Derwin James is this Chargers defense. I'm not kidding. I mean, you just look at the game versus Houston when he didn't play. Look at what happened, man. Terrible. Run defense. Past even everything, he does it all, and he helps every single unit. And not even, not only just with his play, but his his leadership. I mean, look at him. Look at his mic'd up this past weekend. That guy is the definition of a leader, uh, and he elevates that team, elevates our team, and really, he's just so impactful. And to come back to be out to miss thirty, let's see here, to miss in two years to miss twenty eight out of a possible thirty two, twenty seven out of a possible thirty two games. And then to come back again for the first time, play a first full season since your rookie year, and once again be the best safety in football and play at a first-team all-pro level. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, and that's the reason we'll be discussing Darwin James at future awards after this. Unbelievable year. Unbelievable player. Coach of the year. This one has the most options out of any award, man. There is a lot of areas you can go. You almost need an AFC and NFC uh, coach of the year ballot this season, kind of like what it, like, like what baseball does, exactly like what baseball does, because uh, it's just that tight. Uh, you could throw Zach Taylor in there, Belichick, Brandon Staley, um, Sean Payton, uh, Nick Sirianni, so many guys. Uh, but for me, it comes down to Mike Rabel and Matt Lafleur. Uh, Lafleur didn't once again thirteen and three for the third year in a row. Uh, that I don't care if he has Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. That's incredible. I mean, look at the years he before he got there. The Packers were terrible. They went what seven and nine and six nine and one. Or they had a couple of really bad years. So not like just with Rodgers, they dominate no matter what. I uh, know he's a terrific, terrific young coach, uh, and he's really elevated the entire team. Uh, you know the defense and everything, and he he finally needs to do his, or give get his credit. So I I would be very happy if you won it, but I'm going to go with Mike Rabel. Uh, we I discussed this um, a couple of weeks ago actually with Rabel at a whole segment about him why he should be coach of the year. Uh, but I mean, you talk about the most Injured team, I think, in NFL history, people have said. And for him to take this team to 11-5 and be in a position where they win this week and they're going to get a first-round bye, and then they're going to get Derrick Henry back. Um, that's the thing, too. I mean, they missed 
possibly the, uh, before Derwin James, I would say the most important weapon to a team's offense in football. Derwin to defense, but to an offensive unit, I'd almost say Derrick Henry uh, is non-quarterback wise, obviously, but he's that important to that Titan team. Uh, and the fact that they're going to get him back is crazy. And the fact that they won and not only been good, but they beat some really good teams. Went on the Ram, dominated the Rams on the road first game without him. Uh, just so impressive what Vrabel does year after year. One of my favorite coaches. He's just a great leader. Uh, I love he's a hard coach, but he backs his players and he doesn't throw his players under the bus. You know, he doesn't go on. He, he, I'm, obviously, he does it in person and does a lot. We, we saw him at Hard Knocks with the Texans. But that's better. I don't know. That's better than the guys like Mike Zimmer that constantly do it to the media. That's not a leader. That's not a, a good. That's just being a douche, uh, douchebag. That's not what Brable is. I love Brable. I think he deserves it. Coach of the year. He's my coach of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. I feel like he's pulled away with it. But, I mean, he's just had an excellent season. Broke uh, Justin Jefferson's record as a rookie for receiving yards in a season just like that. That's how good he was. Uh, just huge year. And he just. He's just added such an element to that Bengal team. I'll really give him credit. I thought they should have went line two, uh, just like a lot of people. Uh, but it's clear he was the right pick and that he just has really just not only changed the Bengal offense, but that team in general, the fact that they're one of the division this year, him and Joe Burrow. My runner-ups, Creed Humphrey, Chief Center, and Rashawn Slater, Chargers offensive tackle. Give Lyman their credit, man. Two of the best players at their own positions this season. They've been absolutely tremendous. Huge difference makers. Two teams that really, their offensive lines have been the reason that their seasons have ended uh, quicker than they should have in the last couple of years. And I mean, not really the Chiefs. They went to the Super Bowl, but they got killed because of their offensive lines. Terrible play. So, and obviously the Chargers' offensive line has been terrible for over a decade. Um, so the fact that they came in and made those, really solidified those units as rookies is just incredible. They deserve, they're my runner-ups. Even to rookie of the year, this, I will say this is the one, that I got correct in my preseason picks, Micah Parsons. Uh, the fact that he went to Ed Rusher and performed just as well as he did as a linebacker in college is just absolutely incredible. And the fact that he's taken, he's led that Dallas defense that was horrendous. I mean, it was record-setting bad a year ago uh, to one of the best units in the league this year, the most fantasy points scored out of any defense unit. So Parsons' impact on that defense is incredible, on uh, his versatility. I think he wins. Sir Tansmanner, or Runner-up, though. I think Patrick Sertan, Broncos quarterback, is going to be a star in this league. Uh, obviously, I watched him get two picks of us, including a pick six. So I watched us father our team uh, back in Denver in week 12. Uh, so I saw firsthand how good he is. But, no, he's just – he's a dog, man. He's a dog. He also got a pick six. Actually, I went to the preseason game versus the Vikings. He got pick six. So, yeah, man's a dog. Uh, he's going to be very good. So he's my runner-up. But definitely Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. I think that's for sure. Comeback player of the year. A lot of people like to say Dak Prescott, guys like that. I have Joe Burrow as my runner-up. Burrow's been absolutely phenomenal. I love Burrow. But it's Darwin James. And we already discussed why. So impactful for him to come back and be the best player. to finish. That's the thing. That's why he wins the award. Like, Dak Prescott and Burrow have been phenomenal. They've been, Burrow's been top five this year, quarterback, in my, my opinion, behind uh, Tommy Boy, Rodgers, Herbie and maybe Josh Allen and possibly Stafford, but he's he's right there. Um, so that's why he's my runner-up. Definitely could win the award. I wouldn't be mad. But Derwin James has been the best player at his position. Enough said. And he missed like two full years. Absolutely incredible what he's done. And because of him, the Chargers are in position to get back to the playoffs. And I mean, look at the one year he's healthy. We won 12 games. We won 12 games to tie for the best record in the AFC. I uh, won a playoff game as well. So 
and then he's out, and we go seven to nine, uh, and five and eleven respectively. So, that, I mean, that's just the def, definition of a difference maker on a team for sure. For this episode of the Ring King, I'm going to be doing AFC opponents. I'd want the Chargers to play in the playoffs in order, and that basically goes with uh, who we realistically are going to play in the playoffs at. Most likely, like that, we can play in the wild card weekend and then all the way through, really. Um, and there's five teams that realistically we can do so. Um, all these teams still have a chance of their division or have won their division. Uh, and that's being the, the Patriots, Titans, Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs. That's the five teams. Uh, the team I'd want to play most out of those five is Kansas City. Uh, I want bout number three with the Chiefs. I mean, I, I don't just. It would be not the. It's not only the matchup I'd like the most to play. It's it's the team I want, and I think all Charger fans can say the same thing. They want the Chiefs, and we want a rematch for that tough, tough Thursday night loss uh, that cost us the division. I want payback. Uh, we obviously we beat them earlier in the year on uh, Kansas City back in Week Three, so it's one one. Uh, it was one one last year with the road team winning every all four of those matchups. Kind of crazy. Um, so going into Kansas City, going into Arrowhead does not scare this football team at all. doesn't scare me. Uh, and I know it doesn't scare our team. Uh, and I think that's what we want, too. Uh, AFC West rematch. Um, and we always play very well. We've always played very well against Mahomes um, since he's gotten into the league and been a starter. Even when they've had success beating us, or even if when the years they sweep us, uh, we really we always play them very tough. Uh, by far better than any. We play the Chiefs better than any team in the league, man. There's no question, especially compared to our two division foes in Denver and, and the Raiders. Um, but no, no matter if we don't beat them or, or we beat them or not, it's always a dogfight. It always comes down to the end. Uh, we usually hold them under 30 points, uh, which we didn't do in the game on Thursday Night Football. Probably a reason we lost that game. So if we can do that, we have great success with the Chiefs. But no matter what, it's close. It's kind of like when Manning was with Denver. Like, we, we wouldn't necessarily always beat them. Uh, we only beat him one time when he was with the Broncos. Should have been more, obviously. Some being like that Monday nighter when we blew a 24 nothing halftime lead. Um, but no matter what, we played them close. Like, that year, they were they had one of the best offenses in NFL history, 2013. We, went, we played them. We split in the regular season like we did with the Chiefs this year where the road team won each matchup. And then we lost to them in the division around because of a conservative play calling. Uh, which put us in a 17 nothing hole going in the fourth. We only, we only lost the game, but 24-17. And in that year, we were the only team in the regular season that held Denver under 30 points, So we did it twice. And then we did it again in the playoffs. One of the best offenses in history. Um, so, And that's always just been the case. With the Chiefs, like I said, it's been the case where they usually get held under 30 versus us as well. Three of the last four have been that, have been that way. So we play the Chiefs tough, and I just want a rematch so bad. Just to show that it's our division. Even though even though we didn't win the division, we choked that away on that Thursday night game, sadly. Which, well, hurts for a long... It's going to hurt for a long, long time, especially if we don't make the playoffs here. But I, I want to make up for that, and I want to show that it is still our division um, for a long, long time, starting now. And we have that chance to do so. So I want Kansas City. Number two, I'd say the Bengals. We dominated Cincinnati earlier this year. It's the only team... Them and the Chiefs are the two teams on this list that we've beaten. 41-22 back in Week 13. And if anything, that kind of scares a guy. You know, you don't want to play it. I don't – you necessarily 
it's tougher. It's so tough to beat a team twice in the league. I mean, look at the game versus Kansas City. And then look at us dominating Denver the second time, which is the scary thing with the Raiders game. Um, but, um, so yeah, it's, it's tough to beat a team two times in a season. It's very hard. And so that's, it's almost like, it's almost a bad thing. We beat them so bad. Um, and we played, we played, that was one of the best games we played all year. We had a 24 nothing lead right at the back crazy. Then they scored 22 in a row. And then we finished with 19 in a row. Um, started with that fumble by Mixon into the hands of Tavon, who took it to the house for a scoop and score. So that almost scares me. Burrow was dealing with an injury, too. They had four turnovers in that game. Our defense, that was one of the best performances our defense set all year. Definitely pass rush-wise. We got to the we got to Burrow often that game. And that was with Bosa only playing at one half, or really like a quarter. Uh, and J.J. was also out of that game. Big J was out. Justin Jones. So that was, I mean, it was crazy how good our pass rush was that day. If we can get that again, it, we're going to be very dangerous for anybody we play, especially Cincinnati, which would be needed. You need to do that versus a team like that when they have as much weapons as they do. Uh, you can't give Burrow all day to throw the ball. So even though, and we saw it in the playoffs too, uh, look, going back to it's hard where it's uh, going back to it's hard to beat teams twice in a season. I look back at 2013, Cincinnati beat us at our place in the regular season. We played them in the playoffs and we blew them out. An eight no Bengal team at home that year, and we went into Paul Brown Stadium and knocked them off twenty seven ten a wild card weekend. Now, then again, it was the Marvin Lewis Bengals in the in the playoffs, so they never won a game. So, but but still, I mean, it just shows. And, and then in twenty eighteen, Baltimore beats us at our place week sixteen. We go into the playoffs, we go into their place, and we win that game wild card weekend twenty three seventeen. One of the best charter games ever. Uh, we really set the tone from the beginning. You could tell we really wanted that payback game. I remember going in, I wanted that payback game. It's kind of like the Chiefs. I want payback. You know, and I know Cincinnati would be that way with us. Uh, they'd have some they have some salt in the wound after what we did to them um, in their building earlier this year. But still, I feel very comfortable at the matchup with the Bengals. I feel like we match up very well, just like the Chiefs. Um, and the matchup with how we played earlier in the season is why I'd want them as well. Uh, number three, I went Buffalo. Buffalo's a scary team. Uh, that offense is scary, but for some reason, I feel like we could shut them down. I feel like we'd we do a great job. We always have against giving up big plays to opposing offenses. So I think we could limit Buffalo's big playability, and I really think that would cause us to win. I feel like Allen would make some mistakes trying to make some big plays, and if they weren't getting the run game going, weren't trying to run the ball, I think we'd be in very good position. We could exploit that defense. Our offense is good enough to exploit any defense. So I think we match up kind of. I I feel good against a scary Bills team. I feel like you, I mean, when they're on, they're as good as any team in football. They're a Super Bowl contender for sure. But I feel like we match up well. I think we think we could beat them. And one thing about this list is no matter, is we're going to have to play obviously all these teams on the road, even if they get a wild card berth in the AFC East. But in, in all of them are going to be in cold places. So it's not, it's not like weather is a factor in my decision-making here and making these picks because whether it be, uh, in Foxborough and it'd be snowing or it'd be Nashville and it'd be pouring rain like it does every game I swear with the Titans of late when you see them on TV it's going to be a crappy weather game it's going to be cold and that's just how the playoffs are that's how they've always been but we've, we've won those games in the past and yeah we, we've shown we've shown it earlier this year in Cincinnati uh, in a tough environment so I think we'll be alright no matter what that's not a huge concern in my mind uh, number 4 Tennessee and I'm going to crop them I went Titans 4 Patriots five. Both those teams run game scare us. Our run defense has been exceptional um, since about week since the Steeler game. 
Um, it, we really figured it out. We've started to rotate more. That's the thing. Uh, the one game we did in versus Houston, we were missing Bosa and Justin Jones that game, and we didn't rotate great. It was clear. It was clear they were out because we got dominated by Rex Burkhead. But other than that game, we've done a great job rotating guys like Braden Fajoko, Joe Gaziano, great guys against the run. Uh, Justin Jones has been healthier later in the season, and it's really – so that's why I hate when people uh, – Announcers continually bring up our runs defense struggles when most of those it was because of early in the season the stats look so bad. It, it's our pass defense that's honestly been worse. Um, with Desante out, with Derwin out a couple weeks, our pass defense has been atrocious. Mikey Davis missed a couple weeks with injuries and COVID issues, and yeah, our pass defense with Tavon we were very short at corner was which was something I brought up in the off season said we were we did not have enough depth at defensive back at the defensive back positions and it's it showed. So that's my pitch to be GM next year. Um, so I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. And I was right about that. But, but even with that, um, I still, these, I mean, these, it's not really their running ability. It's the fact that they're physical. Cause look at like Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a very good running team, but that doesn't scare me because unlike the Titans and the Patriots, they're not that physical. That's the thing. I just don't think we can match up physically with these teams is, is the problem for me. I don't think we could tackle Henry. And like I said, the Patriots, who didn't really try to run the ball in that first matchup, we played them earlier. That was a bad matchup. We played that was as bad a game we played all year. We only lost twenty seven twenty four, and we had you know we had a couple picks, a pick six where Jared Cook wasn't ready. You know, you have to bring up. If, when I say that, I'm sure Charger fans that are listening are saying, uh, "Which week was that again? That Jared Cook wasn't ready for the ball, ran the wrong route, and ended up being a pick six? Uh, because we've seen it time and time again this year. Not mad at all, but. No, it was it was a lot of issues. The offense couldn't move the ball to save our lives, and they like I said, they didn't run the ball a lot. It was more just our pass defense. Or, uh, our pass defense really struggled in the game. But um, or not our pass defense. Our offense really struggled. Our defense played okay. Um, the Patriots really didn't try to run the ball that much in that game, which was weird. You thought they were just going to pound us. That's when we were really struggling still against the rush. Um, so I, I think they would like that playoff game, remember, in 2018. But that's that's the reason the Patriots are lost on this list. I'd have haunting memories of the 2018 game where they murdered us on the ground and showed how weak we were up front, not only defensively, actually offensively as well. And that's why I just feel we can't match up physically as much as I want them. I do want them in this playoff as a – I want the revenge tour. That's, that's one thing I want. I want the revenge tour, man. I want to beat the Chiefs again. I want to beat the Raiders here to get in the playoffs. I don't want to beat Kansas City. And I want to beat the Patriots. We gotta beat the Patriots if we want to be Super Bowl contenders. I just feel like we have to. We have to beat Belichick. Sadly, we can't beat them, Belichick and Brady, both of them. Um, but we have to beat New England. And going into Foxborough as well would be even greater uh, because they're they've been there's we got to exercise our demons, man. 2018, 2007, 2006, some of the best Charger teams of all time. I've ran into that team and haven't been able to beat them in the playoffs, and it's hurt time and time again. We've never beat them in our time, in my time as a fan. I think we're, after this year, 0-8, um, which is just incredible. That's the only team we've never beaten since I've been a fan. Actually, no. Scratch that. We've also never beaten Carolina and never beaten New Orleans. Yeah, so I guess I was wrong about that. But still, I mean, it's not like we're losing to them in the playoffs year after year, especially with some of the best chances for Phillip, LT, and Gatesy and crew. So I want a revenge tour. I want the Patriots. That being said, I do not want them in the wild card weekend. And they're out of the teams left, as far as our chances to win, they're the last team I'd still want to play. 
Now, to finish out this episode, I'm going to go and look back at my preseason NFL predictions uh, and see what was right, what was wrong. Let's just realistically look how bad I did, uh, because it probably is pretty bad. Um, I I remember most of it here. But let's let's take a look. Let's start with the standings in the AFC. I had, okay, I had the Chargers at the first seed at 13-4, which was realistic. We should be that. We could be that good. If we weren't so inconsistent, talent-wise, we should be that. Uh, Next year will be the case. I had us winning the tiebreaker over Buffalo, who also went 12-4, and four, or 13-4, and four, excuse me. 70 games, not 16. Come on now. Um, finishing second in the AFC, so we got the bye. Cleveland wins the North at 12-5. and five. I'm not going at that prediction. I didn't think Baker would have as bad a year as he has had. Uh, I didn't think the Odell mess was going to happen. I just thought their offense would be the same as it was last year with Stavansky, the way they ran the ball. And the defense was going to be much improved with all the additions they got through the draft or free agency. That's what I thought was going to happen with Cincinnati or Cleveland. Instead, that being the that ended up being the Bengals, uh, which credit to them. Four, I had the Titans, eleven and six. I had them winning the division. That was tough to have them over Indy, uh, but it paid off. I got it right. So that was my division winners. Not two. I went for sure one. If Buffalo should win two, I should go two for four. That was kind of an easy one, but still got it right. Uh, I got the Chiefs record identically correct. Uh, I had them as the five seed going 12-5, and five, so I had, a, had, a, had us winning the division by a game. Uh, here, this might be my best prediction. I had the Patriots going 11-6. and six. Now, I went on a couple segments, a couple podcasts, or, and stuff like that, and I kind of got heat for this pick because people are not – people did not say – did not think – uh, New England was an 11-win football team. They thought, sure, a playoff team, but they did not think they were winning 11 games this year like I did. But for whatever reason, I was very confident in the Patriots. I don't know why. I felt I felt like their quarterback play was just so bad last year, and they still went 7-9 with how bad it was. So I just thought Max Jones was really going to be an upgrade. I really liked what I saw out of him in the preseason and obviously how he was in college. I thought him and Belichick were just a perfect fit. I really had a feeling he was going to have a really good year. And I just couldn't see Belichick and the Patriots missing the playoffs two years in a row. They're just, he's just too good, of, too dang good of a coach. He's the greatest of all time for a reason. Uh, and obviously that prediction ended up being great. They're 10-6 and six right now, and they should beat Miami. So I, I'll get the Patriots exactly right, 11-6. That's, that's probably my best prediction out of all this, to be honest. Seventh seed, I have Baltimore beating the Colts in a 10-7 and seven tie break. So I had it right where they beat Indy head-to-head in that Monday nighter. But the Ravens ended the year even worse than I thought. Now, this is kind of crazy. Um, this might be my best prediction out of all this. Even though I had Baltimore making the playoffs at 10-7 and seven over Indy, you win tomorrow like they should. They'll finish 10-7. and seven. So I should get that right. Sadly, they just, they're going to make the playoffs, though, and, and set up Baltimore, which is fine. I missed out. I'm going to get my playoff picks around now. But I had the Ravens starting 9-2 and two and losing five in a row, and then I had a beating Pittsburgh to make the playoffs last week of the year. Now, this year they started – eight and three and they have lost all five in a row so i i technically i almost predicted their entire season now the games that they got wrong or they lost early in the year i was wrong i had them losing to kansas city and minnesota they won those games lost to the Bengals, uh miami and the raiders but i'm kind of impressed with myself that i had them losing five in a row like they did and i just thought their schedule was tough and i thought uh i just i just had a feeling this team was going to regress this year obviously i didn't believe they're going to have, and they already had some injuries at that point when I made it, like Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters. So I just thought with all the injuries they were due for regression, for some reason I wasn't feeling the Ravens. And I was kind of correct, but I still didn't make it the playoffs. So 
I got four for sure, right? Tennessee, Kansas City, New England, and Buffalo. And then Chargers, as long as we win tomorrow over the Raiders. Five for seven isn't too bad. If I had Indy over Baltimore, I would have went six or seven. That's that's pretty good. Uh, the Bengals is a big miss. I had Denver going nine and eight. They finished seven and nine, ten. Pretty close. Miami, eight and nine. I got heat for this one, too. That I had New England being three games better than the, uh, the Dolphins after how good Miami went last year. Everybody thought they'd be even better, which they probably should have been. But for some reason, I just felt like they played past their performance last year. Record-wise, like record-wise, I don't think they were a ten and sixteen, and I I didn't like two at the quarterback position. I felt if they had Watson, oh my, I probably would have predicted win the division, but they didn't. Uh, so if they lose tomorrow versus the Patriots, then I got the Patriots and Miami correctly. Pittsburgh, I had going seven and ten. I should have known Mike Tomlin's too good of a coach to ever go under five hundred. I think he could play with. I think he could have a whole team of fourth graders and they'd find a way to go 500 it's incredible it is incredible how good of a coach he is um but with that schedule and i just hated what they did in the offseason i still predict them only one in seven games just because it was that bad and the fact that he couldn't the fact that he didn't go under 500 this year i'm never predicting it again that's all i'm gonna say i had the raiders also going seven and ten mostly due to a tough schedule i thought they were going to be improved i just didn't think that gauntlet of a schedule they were and they were better. I didn't think they were better in Denver. And some team had to finish under 500 in that division. So I, I predicted it to be the Raiders. Jacksonville, I winning five games. Did I see Urban Meyer situation being that bad? No, I did not. I actually thought he'd have some success. I thought they would be playing pretty good ball at the end of the year. Boy, was I wrong. Jets, 4-13. and We're on track to be right there. Man, I got the AFC East on lockdown. Cincinnati, 4-13. and I apologize, Bengal fans. I did not think you guys were going to be as good as you were. I thought there was potential. Early in the offseason, I was on the Bengal hype train. I was. But then I thought, that line is not good enough. I questioned the Jamar Chase pick. I did. Preseason showed why people questioned it. And I didn't know if Burrow was going to be Joe Burrow after the injury, at least for the first season. I thought, you know, it would take him a little bit, maybe till midseason to get it going. And they're in the AFC North, which I thought there's three teams supremely better than them. So I did not see the Bengals coming, but credit to them for an amazing season and win the division. Credit to the Bengals. And then I finished with the Texans going 1-16, only beating the Jets. Funny, fun fact, they had a lot better year than that. They won four games. They even beat us, Chargers. So good for them, and they didn't even beat the Jets. So the one game I did predict them to win, they didn't. How about that? That was the NFC, not or AFC, not too bad. NFC was pretty good too. Uh, Tampa thirteen to four, winning the NFC uh, and getting the first round by home field. Win tomorrow, they're going thirteen to four. The only thing is Green Bay already clinched, uh, obviously the NFC. I had the Rams going twelve and five, being the two seed. They win tomorrow, they do just that. Green Bay had winning the division at eleven and six. I thought they were going to fall off a little bit. I thought there was just too much um, off the field drama in the off season. I thought they were going to. Um, regress as far as win total goes obviously still win that division but i thought they're going to regress a little bit matt lafleur is just that dude and Rodgers as well here's my worst prediction probably at all these standings wise i had the giants winning the nfc east at nine and eight so not a great record wise and yes i know you're thinking i picked the giants who look like the worst team in football right now without daniel jones i mean holy smokes why mike glennon's still in the league i don't know Jake from why he ever got a chance, I also don't know that either. But 
I, I thought to myself, I really like what the Giants did. They had a great offseason, I thought. And I thought Joe Judge was the guy for the job. A lot of people were really giving Judge credit last year. If you go back a year ago, people were praising Joe Judge. They said, we well, did one of the best jobs in the league. Really, to play, have that team competitive at the end of the year and have a chance to win the division. Now, granted, they were 6-10. and 10. That just shows how bad the East was a year ago. But still, they, they were very competitive compared to this year, where it just been a mess and he might lose his job. Um, but, yeah, I, I needed a bold prediction. So I didn't want to just pick Washington or Dallas. I, I wanted to go bold, so I went with the Giants uh, with because I like their moves with Galladay, drafting Kadarius Tooney, all the weapons I thought was going to have Danny Dimes playing good, which he actually did. And I thought Saquon was going to be going to be back, and we'll talk that later when I when it comes to comeback player of the year. So once you once I give you my pick there and everything, uh, and you pair that with their defense, which is has been playing very good. This is the only thing on that team that actually has played up to their standards. I thought they were going to have a good year, and I was wrong. So five seed, I had San Fran at eleven and six. Uh, they win tomorrow. They make the playoffs. Finish ten and seven. Um, but I, I really like the Niners coming this year. I thought they're going to have a bounce back year, and they kind of have. They haven't had a bad year. Arizona, 10 and 7. I thought they were going to have a very good year. I just didn't think they could win on the road enough to win the division. And I thought the Rams were just too good. But I really had a feeling Arizona and Kyler Murray were due to step up. If they could just play better in the second half, and well, they have it really. Uh, but they had such a good first half, didn't have it. Vikings, 10 and 7. I was off. I picked the Vikings to make the playoffs every year. I just always believe, have to believe in the Vikes. And talent wise, that team is even better than 10 and 7. Uh, the only reason I had them going that short was because of their tough, very tough schedule. But, yeah, just another disappointing year for the Bikes. So in the NFC, I was 3 for 4, in, or maybe 3 for 4 in division. I got, if the Niners make it, I got 5 in the NFC just like the AFC. So, again, not too bad. Uh, the division winner in the NFC East was way off, and then the Bikes not making it. Uh, so the two NFC teams, the Cowboys and the Eagles, making it over those two. First team out, I had Seattle at 10-7. and seven. The only team that I didn't have making the playoffs in the West was Seattle. And it looks like I was right. They had a terrible year, actually. Only 6-10 and 10 at this point. So even worse than I thought. I, I don't know why. I just wasn't – I usually love the Seahawks coming into the year, but this year was just not the case. I just didn't believe in that defense. Or, uh, you know, Chris Carson never being healthy, which proved to be right again. And they had a lot of offseason drama like Green Bay with Russell Wilson possibly getting traded and whatnot. I had the Cowboys and – Football team both going eight and nine, one game back on the east of the Giants. Washington six and ten. Cowboys won the division at they're going to the last game eleven and five. Great year for Dallas, so I was wrong there. Carolina eight and nine. I talked earlier in this segment how I thought Carolina was gonna win eight games, and they didn't. Saints I had gone seven and ten. I should have known Sean Payton was gonna find a way to still win games with Breeze now no longer there. Atlanta six and eleven, Chicago five and twelve, way off on the Eagles, five and twelve, another one else way off. Everybody had the Eagles doing bad, too. Come on. I mean, really, I, their schedule-wise is pretty horrible. Like, I don't think they're a nine-win team necessarily still in a playoff team. But credit to Nick Sirianni and crew. They did a great job once they found their run game. Uh, they proved me wrong. And the Lions, 2-15, and 15, so I was kind of money on the Lions. Playoff-wise, I had Kansas City beating Tennessee. I had the Browns over the Patriots, and I had Baltimore losing to Buffalo. In the divisional round, I had the Bills over the Browns in a battle, and I had us beating Kansas City, and I had us over the Bills in the AFC, uh, AFC title game. San Fran beating the Giants, Green Bay blowing out Arizona, Rams over the Vikes in the NFC Super Wild Card weekend, Rams beating Green Bay in a thriller rematch, payback for last year's divisional round game, Tampa in a close one over San Fran. I, I was very 
close to picking the Niners, I remember, in my preseason pick. And I had the Rams going into um, Raymond James and knocking off Tampa, their first loss with Tom Brady in the playoffs. And I had the Chargers and the Rams in Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in the Battle of L.A., 27-24, which could still happen. It very well could be. It's probably the like ninth time I've predicted Chargers or Rams Super Bowl too, just because, I don't know, I feel like one of these times it's going to happen. Uh, NFL awards, I had Herbert winning the MVP, and Herbie, he's been in the talk all year. He's he's arguably top three in the MVP conversation. He's been absolutely terrific, and he will be my pick next year again. I will tell you that now. Offensive player of the year, I had Dalvin Cook. Uh, there's a reason I took him second in fantasy. And I had to show my faith in him, not only in fantasy, but in my awards here by picking him to win offensive player of the year. And he has the talent to do so. If he could stay more healthy, that would help. Uh, and if they gave him more touches, but specifically at the goal line to help the stats a little bit out, that would also help. And it would help my fantasy team. Defensive player of the year. I had to go a little bit bold here, too. Yeah, I mean, it, I could go and say, oh, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett would be boring. But why? What, what's fun in that? What's a, what's the fun in watching that and being right about that? There isn't. I want Brian Burns. Ed Rutcher for Carolina. He's had a terrific year. He's a great – Brian Burns is a great player. Uh, I just always – I've loved what he's done coming out of Florida State. I was a big, big, big Brian Burns fan, and I, I made him my prediction. He's had nine sacks. He's had a great year, uh, nine-sack season. He was coming off. What was the last year? He had nine sacks as well. So I thought that was number was going to double based on me predicting him to win this award. Um, I think if he had a better team, it would help too, to be honest. I, maybe I'll pick him again next year. He'll be like my Walker Buehler. I think Walker Buehler to win the Cy Young. That was just a way out of left field prediction. Nobody had it that one year. It was a couple of years ago. And I think he took, in that year, he took like second or third. So now every year I take Walker Bueller to win the Scion. Because now people actually predict, predict them themselves, which I think kind of funny because I just did it for fun. Because I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. Someone's, someone weird's going to win the Scion. So now I predict them to win the Scion every year until he does it in the NL. Just because. That's going to be my Brian Burns. Coach of the year, I had Brandon Staley. Could have been. Maybe next year. He had a great, he's a great coach. Uh, he's still learning the game, obviously. The fact people actually say he should be fired is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And yes, some people say that. Um, but he's got us in great position. And I think that with the offseason where he can actually get his players, I think that's the problem. Defensively-wise, we obviously have zero depth. Because when the starters play, we're terrific. But he's going to get more of his players, more of his talent with all the money in the offseason and 11 draft picks. And I think it's our defense, he's going to show all the people that are, for whatever reason, saying he's not doing a good job. Uh, very wrong. Offensive rookie of the year, Elijah Moore, Jets receiver. Ooh, I like that pick, man. I'm happy I made that pick. I love what they were. The chemistry between him and Zach Moore, uh, Zach Wilson was incredible in the offseason. And rookie quarterbacks always have that guy where they want to go to. You know, they have that one main guy every year. You know, that's just rookies do that. And I thought Elijah Moore was going to be that dude. Um, I really did. And he, he had a terrible start the year. Very, very ugly start. But he's been that dude uh, until he won on IR recently. Uh, as he, he finished the year, 43 receptions, 538 yards, five scores. But look at the last couple weeks, man, until he got hurt. Six for 67, 784, 344, eight for 141, 446, 677, and five touchdowns in that span of five games. He was starting to get it going and show why I made this prediction. And I think that's going to come next year. He's going to be a great player. He might be their best receiver in that draft. Class. Well, maybe after Chase. Uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Micah Parsons. That's going to be my one correct prediction. What a year he's had. What a player. 
And like for comeback player of the year, like I said, I had Saquon. I just had a feeling Saquon was going to be back. And I had the Giants beat one of the divisions. So I thought for that to happen, Saquon needed Saquon, – Saquon had to be back for that to happen. Sadly, it really hasn't been a great year for him. Injuries again from the get-go and just everything. That team's a mess. Yeah, sadly that was wrong. But my predictions weren't too bad uh, overall for this NFL season from the preseason. Probably better than the most. Hopefully the playoffs I get it exactly right, which would be Chargers over the Rams at the Super Bowl. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to episode four of the Powder Blues. Hope to have more content, more regular content in the next um, upcoming weeks. Hopefully not random days, more like set days, like say Tuesday and Friday or something like that. Hopefully I'll get there. I apologize. I really don't at this point. But once again, thank you guys for listening and subscribe, please.